Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves for Macca's, Juicy Angus Beef and the lot. Dine in and try the Aussie Angus at Macca's today. Ah, yes, indeed. Good evening to you. Hope you've had a ripping day, however you've been putting it in, wherever you've been putting it in. This is the Macca's Run for the Aussie Angus Burger. Try it at Macca's today, where we recap all the major news stories from a sporting point of view throughout the course of the last 24 hours or so. And, of course, your opportunity to have your say on the news of the day. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Great to have your company, however you're finding us, wherever you're finding us, uh, right around the country, uh, if you're tuning in on the SEN network. one uh, three to have your say on the news of the day. You can text us in 0433981116 off the temper text. Temper, uh, a mattress like no other. On the menu, news-wise tonight, uh, the AFL's major operating loss. We'll break down the numbers uh, on the AFL's financials that were released today. Uh, injuries to Sam Walsh and Oscar Allen uh, have got a few people concerned for those various clubs. And Brad Lloyd uh, spoke to SEN today. Uh, to give his take and uh, speak about the Sam Walsh injury. So we'll bring you up to speed on that. The champion data elite rankings have caused a lot of consternation uh, on the phone lines all throughout the course of the day. So you can have your say on that as well. Former Collingwood AFLW coach Wayne Seekman has an out-of-the-box idea about how he thinks you can fix up the disparity between the best and the worst of the AFLW sides. Josh Giddy has had another career day in the NBA. And Michael Vaughan has made some pretty explosive allegations in regards to Pat Cummins and the situation that unfolded with Justin Langer. I'm going to play those to you. Of course, from 7 o'clock tonight, myself and Chuck Berry with you for the third T20 Australia and Sri Lanka. Big news coming out of that game is that the number one ranked T20 bowler in the world, Wanindu Hasaranga De Silva, has tested positive for COVID, so he will be sidelined for that game. It's a must-win for the Sri Lankans if they're to stay alive in this series. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. of course, is the number to have you say on the news of the day. But first cab off the rank uh, is the AFL financial statements. And for some, this might not be um, the most riveting. Uh, but it is interesting to see where the money is going and how it is being spent. So the league today announced that it had been forced to spend an additional $76 million in the past two years uh, due to the COVID situation that has run rife uh, around the world, as we know. Um, it had an operating loss of $43 million. Uh, the revenue... Uh, in good news, was up uh, on the year. The AFL recorded uh, an increase of revenue of $63.3 million. And A couple of dot points that came out of that that you might be interested to know is that the AFL clubs were paid a total of $233.9 million for player payments. That's an increase of 37.53% from 2020. Obviously, we know that uh, there was major pay cuts taken throughout the first COVID-affected year. Uh, the average player salary for a listed player in 2021 was 372000 224 uh, and a total of 655 players listed across the competition not including rookie listed players three players apparently earned more than 1.2 million while six in total earned uh, or were recorded as being in the one million dollar plus bracket lance franklin jeremy uh, jeremy mcgovern dustin martin paddy dangerfield uh josh kelly and jeremy cameron brody grundy uh just outside that particular group $76 million spent uh, trying to manage both leagues through COVID uh, is is quite a substantial amount. Uh, the rest of the money, 300, uh, 300, the, the revenue of the extra revenue of 60, $63.3 million meant that uh, the AFL's revenue was $738 million. 
the increase in broadcast revenue and also improved commercial returns. And that helped the AFL cover the following costs. 300, and I'm reading this directly from the Herald Sun website, but it's all there in the AFL statement that was released today. Uh, 300.9 million to the AFL clubs, 29.5 million on the administrative costs for the uh, men's and women's seasons, travel costs, relocating clubs impacted by state border restrictions, um, administering COVID-19 testing protocols, 53 million on game development. That's an increase of 21 million in line with the increased activity at community level nationally through 2021. 60.2 million play paid to the AFL PA, 18.5 million in running the NAB AFL women's competition, 23 million to infrastructure comprising of elite community facilities and contributions for stadia redevelopments, 0.9 million to corporate and social responsibility initiatives. Operating expenditure decreased by $22.5 million. Uh, in 2020 and 2021. The AFL covered travel costs for teams impacted by the state border restrictions. There were less travel and accommodation costs in 2021 compared to 2020. So the AFL reduced its operating cost base in 2020. These cost savings were maintained through 2021. Uh, a couple of others that you might be interested to know. Um, $9 million spent $9 million spent on the wages of the AFL executive. Um, so if you look at that in comparison, so 18.5 in total spent on running the AFLW and $9 million paid to the AFL executive. So it didn't uh, have details in there on how much gills being paid or how many, what the exact number of executives was, but it was $9.8 million, uh, that the executive was paid. Uh, if you had just, have you had any thoughts on that, anything you wanted to add? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 Distributions increased uh, $117 million through increases in club and AFL players-associated distributions. These were reduced in 2020 to offset lower revenue and increased cost of running the men's Toyota Premiership season and returned toward... Uh, pre-COVID levels in 2021. So um, after all revenue, operating expenditure and distributions, the AFL recorded an underlying operating loss of $43 million compared to $22.7 million in 2020. Uh, 1-300-736-736-0433-98-11-16. To have you say on that, Andy and Gazy spoke about the uh, AFL's operating loss and gave their thoughts on drive a little earlier on this afternoon. I don't think they're out of the financial woods in well, 2022. I, actually, Andy, I think with all these types of numbers, you've got to make sure it's in context. Please give it some context. And when you've got an industry that probably does a turnover, would it be it'd be a billion dollars a year? Each the club leads. would be each club would have a, a, at least a eighty million dollar turnover. And there's eighteen of them, so it's at least a billion dollars a year that they're turning out in revenue. Not all of them, but... Yeah. No, no, uh, cumulative. Okay, yep. So yep. between it all, because that's what the AFL is representing. So although it's a really, really big number, in this scheme of things, it's it's manageable number. The league's revenue increased by more than $63 million, to your point, to register at just over $738 million due to increased broadcast revenue and improved commercial returns. So while the money's coming out because mm. of COVID impacts... Money coming in mm. due to good commercial um, results mm. and broadcast money. So, so, so they probably made a. So what I'm saying well, is, Andy, probably made a kick, bit, is, a bit in the kick. The alarm bells are, are clearly ringing, and you don't never like to drop that type of money. But in the scheme of things, of what they've had to endure, and and without going through the entire financials, but to me, 
I'm actually thinking that's not a bad result when you consider the amount of games they've lost and all the juggling they've had to do to to be in the hole that much. It sounds like a huge number, which it is. It is a big number. But in the big scheme of things, yeah. Yeah. it's not that huge. No, it's a good point you make. I think mm. that, the, the, the point is, and it's a good point, they can absorb it. They have the wherewithal. They can get through this, the AFL. It is, well, not forever in a day. No, no, no. But, but certainly. We'll come out of this, hopefully, yes. at some stage. Mm. But it is why the AFL can get into Western Australia and continue a competition, perhaps when others can't. Mm. Well, others can now. Well, they, can now. The they can now, but other sports and others won't. Andy and Gazy, a little earlier on this afternoon, uh, on the run home, one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 is the number. Andrew's given us a call from Nidri. G'day, Andrew. Okay, Sam. Look, I've, I've been trying to follow the, um, the women's football this year. Like, I'm not, you know, trying to support it. And I think this year has been an absolute disgrace from the AFL. The way they scheduled the games, how they pushed it all over the place. They're basically now uh, using it. Well, not, they're not even promoting it properly. So, and it's a very disrespectful to the, the, the women uh, players, the female players. Um, and the money they're wasted on all sorts of other things, whereby these poor, these poor footballers are basically giving up their jobs, basically being trying to be professional, getting paid, getting paid peanuts, and, and, and they're wanting an elite game to be developed from it. Uh, it's about time they woke up themselves and, and actually moved the scheduling of women's football into October to December, or a bit later, finishing January, um, and, and put the resources which they, they deservedly need to develop their game and expand it. It's pathetic, actually. Yeah, That's Andrew, I, I, I think you make I think you make some great points, uh, and I thank you for ringing up to, to make them. I, I made the point uh, yesterday during Heroes and Villains that uh, the AFL absolutely getting a villain nomination for scheduling all those games in the middle of. Uh, afternoons where the temperatures were well over 30 degrees uh, in the blazing hot sun uh, in the middle of January or in the middle of February. Um, that's just abject cruelty in, in my book as well. And there are players now who who have been in the competition from day one who are starting to say, yep, you've released your vision for this competition. It's big on the language and, and big on, you know, all the, saying all the right things, but it's very light on the detail. So I think you're 100% right, Andrew, that there's the four new teams are coming in. We're only spending $18.5 million on it. We're spending $9 million on the executives. Um, so eighteen point five, you know, I'm with you on that. And when you look at how much money the AFLW has already brought in, I mean, you ask any, any. I mean, people can say whatever they want about it, Eddie McGuire, but he has laid it out for people very clearly that there's not a single AFL club that's had a redevelopment of, of their um, training venue um, that have got the funding needed without having an AFLW team. It's contributed to extra memberships, sponsorships, um, ground redevelopment, uh, federal, state funding. Um, it, it's been That's why every club that didn't apply for a licence first up was falling over themselves to get one uh, as soon as they could. Um, I've got Billy off the text saying that they should sack the whole competition, saying more should go into grassroots. Well, they're spending $53 million on game development uh, to go in with community levels. So they're, they're spending money in that area, and I'm always happy for more to be spent in grassroots. I come from um, playing country footy. I grew up playing country footy, and the more money that can be spent there, the, the better as well. But it's naive to think that uh, this competition hasn't brought in uh, a ton of good 
financially, um, goodwill, opportunity, equality. You know, there. I couldn't agree with you more, Andrew. That I think that it's the time has come now to instead of talking it up and and telling us all these wonderful things. I, I think the plan is light on the detail, and I'd like to see more of it. Yeah, yeah, I think you're, you're right. And the other thing too, I, I'm an Essendon supporter, and there's hundreds and thousands of Essendon supporters around, and we want to, we want to join, we want to join in. Yeah, absolutely, and and you will be able to from AFLW seven. Um, and then, we, I mean, that, when that happens, we're obviously going to see that there's going to be needed 120 new players are going to need to be found. So that is going to put a strain on the talent pool. That'll be short-term pain for absolute long-term gain and benefit. Um, but, yeah, Andrew, thank you for calling, and, and I appreciate your thoughts. Mark's in Bacchus Marsh. Mark, hello to you. Sam, my man, how you going? Good, buddy. Well, mate, I'll make it quick on the first point. Because, mate, have I got a story for you on the second point? Uh, what, what, what I might do is put you back to the producer for a story for me. I don't want you to get me in trouble. I don't want to be done for defamation. I don't want to be it's getting in any defamation. trouble at all. No, no, no. It's I, not defamation. Mark, bear with me. Bear with me just so all we right. can get the details, my friend. Uh, just so I all can get right. the details. I'll put you back to Sammy. Run it you past him. Re- Run it past him, and then I'll get you back on. He's a good man, Mark, but he makes me nervous sometimes. At one three hundred seven three six seven three six. So injuries uh, as well. So that's the AFL financial uh, statement that's been released today, and really interesting reading. If you want to know where the money's going and, and what it's being spent on, um, off the text, did you tell me? Uh, off the text, did you say three players over one million at Geelong? No. So the the, the million dollar players, according to a couple of stories that are floating around today. Uh, and for some, this is, you know, clickbaity sort of stuff. Others think it's a bit perverse to be talking about what people make. Others are very interested to know because they buy memberships and they want to know how the clubs are spending the money that they get from the broadcasters to pay the players. So uh, according to AFL Media, uh, the trio of uh, 1.2 million plus players were Dustin Martin, Lance Franklin and Jeremy McGovern. Uh, Nat Fife um, and Brody Grundy were also reported to have earned uh, a million, over a million dollars, according to the report. Uh, neither of those sides played finals, of course. The four others that are said to be around the $1 million mark are the Giants' Josh Kelly and uh, Geelong pair Jeremy Cameron and Patrick Dangerfield, also Carlton captain Patrick Cripps. Uh, and it's believed that this season, Christian Petrarca and Tom Lynch will join that group uh, on a uh, million dollars as well. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. We've got to take a break. We'll come back, uh, and on the other side of that, uh, injuries uh, obviously to some of the real rising stars, the the the, the bright talents, the, the the future stars of the competition. Sam Walsh is. Uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, a star already. 30 votes in the Brownlow last year, best and fairest, and um, and a newly appointed deputy vice-captain just signed on to stay at Carlton as well. Uh, Brad Lloyd spoke uh, to SEN today, and we'll uh, play his thoughts and uh, his detailing of exactly what happened and what's to come for Sam Walsh as well. Uh, this is the Macca's Run, one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 to have your say on the news of the day. Back after this. Uh, welcome back to the Macca's Run. Ash Brown from the AFL Record is going to join us. A special edition, uh, the pre-season edition of the AFL Record is out today. Uh, and if you play fantasy, then this is your almanac. You need to get yourself a copy of this. He'll take us through it all after 6.30. Uh, Mark in Bacchus Marsh, we've vetted you. 
We've fact-checked you. Uh, we might not have fact-checked you, but we've just had to, we've just done a little preview of what you wanted to chat about, mate. Uh, what have you got for me? Well, I found it interesting right. that the actual gaming and, um, revenue hasn't been stated. So they get a kickback from the, all the sports books. Yeah, I think it's about and, 10 million uh, a year. And so on. So... Um, I know the clubs are making some clubs make money out of pokies and that, but the AFL do get a kickback from yeah. Yeah, so a story in the Age in 2020 uh, said that there was a five-year deal which was believed to be around ten million dollars a year. Um, but is it actually stated this year? Have we got an actual break? Because this is this it's is not in the it's not break. in the press release I've read, but you can click on because they'd have to table the report. They do have to. The financials are available. To, to people, you can get on there and go and go through it line by line. So it would be in there somewhere. Jeez, you know, it, when I, oh, it's so frustrating. It's like their reputation is tarnished, in my opinion, when they try and hide these types of things. It's like it's, it's like it's their bad little thing that I want anyone to know about. Really, their credibility is they destroy their own credibility. They don't even realise it. I, I don't. Opinion, I, I don't think they try to hide it. But I uh, look. It's not in their press release today. But it is. I mean, it's not because if you're saying they're hiding it, then you know we're, you, you're sort of accusing them of um, fudging the numbers and dodging, you know, and, and cooking the books. And they're not doing that because they've got to lay it all out there publicly for where the money goes and and what comes in and what goes out. So it's just not in the press release that I've read today. Yeah, all good, mate. No worries. See uh, if you can find it out there. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm, got, I'm working every day this week, but I'll, I'll try and find some time, Mark, to, to go through the, uh, the full uh, profit and loss uh, and see if I can come up with it, mate. Always great to chat to you, buddy. And speak to my produ- your producer, because what I told him, Radio. it's a big deal, my friend. Okay, I'll deal. check it out. Thanks, Very Mark. Much. Appreciate it. Biggest story of the year. See biggest you, story of the year. All right, we'll have a look into it. Yeah. Thank you, mate. See ya. Uh, one three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. So Sam Walsh, we uh, the story came through uh, earlier in the week yesterday that um, he had suffered a syndesmosis injury to his ankle in match simulation. Uh, Brad Lloyd, the footy boss, came on SEN today to explain exactly what had happened. Yeah, he just had a uh, just you know a bit of a uh, match simulation of training, and yeah, a player came across across his ankle and uh, yeah got caught. Yeah. In that uh, bit, of, bit of bit of a contest, and uh, yeah, he sort of he was able to carry on and uh, and uh, yeah, finish off the session. But um, yeah, sort of scans revealed uh, revealed that syndesmosis injury, which uh, yeah can uh, yeah can take a bit of a time, bit of time. So um, yeah, it was really disappointing, unfortunate. I don't think Sam's uh, miss miss hardly any footy in his you know, footy mm. career in general. Like right as a as a kid, so it's a, it's new to him, but. Uh, yeah, he's, he's unbelievably resilient the way the way he, uh, he goes about things. But, um, yeah, pretty disappointing. So that was uh, Carlton footy boss Brad Lloyd about what had happened in the injury. Uh, he went on to talk more about uh, what had happened. Yeah, well, you see, he had pretty good... Um, yeah, he was, he was pretty stable and he, was, um, he wasn't sort of in too much discomfort, but it was just more the scans that uh, were a bit of the, the, the concern. And, um, yeah, he sort of had further scans yesterday that sort of revealed that, yeah, he definitely needed to have a... Some surgery done today, and um, yeah, he'll he'll miss that, uh, you know, probably that first uh, three or four games of the season. But uh, yeah, we sort of got to just monitor him from here, so it's hard to put a exact round on it. But mm. um, 
start his recovery, but he's, a, he's an absolute pro, so he'll do that well and uh, and um, be, be be back before we know it. But uh, it's a bit of a blow from uh, that point of view, but gives uh, gives opportunity for others, as we know. Carlton footy boss Brad Lloyd on summer breakfast earlier on today. Sam Edmund and Josh Jenkins this morning. Uh, he also spoke about tackling at training. A player came across his body. Look, it is quite rare um, to, to get these sorts of injuries at training. And look, we, we're going into a, um, an intra-club, um, yeah, a bit of a hit out at training uh, later, in the, uh, later in the week. And um, then we'll, we'll, play up, we'll play against St Kilda next week and then uh, play Melbourne the following week. So yeah, we need to start getting into some match play, which uh, the boys have been doing for a while. So, um, yeah, it's hard to uh, avoid as we get this close to the season. But, um, yeah, it's quite rare. It's not something that happens often, but uh, you just can get a bit unlucky sometimes, as, as Sam has. It's a fair point, isn't it? If you play a contact sport, you have to train a contact sport. I mean, there's just no two ways around it. And unfortunately, these uh, accidents are going to happen. I had a caller last night who, who put the blame squarely on Andrew Russell for this. And as I pointed out uh, at the time, I mean, this is this has happened in match simulation. This isn't because he's been pushed too hard on the track or um, he's been, uh, you know, running, being pushed, put through his paces uh, in too, too much of an extreme ma- in too much of an extreme manner. Uh, this is just an unfortunate uh, accident that's occurred. Uh, Brad Lloyd spoke about how they might go about replacing. Uh, Go about replacing Sam Walsh. Yeah, it does. Yeah, look, um, yeah, we all know Sam's been a, a sensational player for us yeah, since he came to the club as a, the number one pick. But yeah, with uh, looking forward to seeing George Hewitt, looking forward to see Adam Chera and what he can do, and um, yeah, some of you know, all the other boys you, you mentioned as well. So I think we're building some some depth, and the list is uh, really maturing. And uh, yeah, there's um, yeah a lot of the uh, a lot of the boys had really strong pre-seasons, so they'll know they'll need to. Uh, um, yeah, it's he's hard. He is hard to replace, but they'll uh, they'll be chomping at the bit to get an opportunity as well. So um, yeah, we've had a pretty exciting couple of weeks coming up as we uh, start match play. That uh, was a very good chat that Brad Lloyd had with the boys this morning. It ended up being just an update on a lot of players of interest. One of those, of course, for Carlton fans who are just crossing fingers and toes and any kind of body part that uh, it, it, they can get to be crossed. Uh, is in regards to Charlie Kerno. Can he stay fit and what that might look like with that two-pronged forward line with him and Harry Mackay? Yeah, he's in great shape. Um, look, we held him. We probably could have played him a fraction earlier last year, but he was held back and it was fairly conservative approach just to get him really right. And it, you know, it was great he was able to... Uh, he was held back but played those last few games, which really set up his pre-season. So, um, yeah, he's had a full pre-season and... Uh, and yeah, moving around beautifully to so to see him and him and Harry up sort of uh, moving around the forward lines um, really exciting for us. So um, yeah, he's he's bouncing around and he's uh, he's ready to go, Charlie. So it's yeah, fantastic to see. It's great for the club, but I'm I'm thrilled for him as well. Moving on to AFLW, former Collingwood AFLW coach Wayne Seatman was on with Kane Corns earlier on today. Um, Mornings on SEN, SEN.com.au, to hear all of these chats or to check in on the podcast to catch up on anything that you might have missed. He tweeted something out over the weekend that uh, caused a lot of debate uh, in the Twitter sphere or Twitter's verse or whatever the hell we, we call it. But uh, Kane got him wanted to flesh it out and uh, he had an idea about how he thinks that you could um, recalibrate um, the AFLW competition. There's concern growing about the gap between the best sides. Uh, and then, and the not so great sides. Uh, this was him explaining his tweet and what he would do to press the reset button on the AFLW. Yeah, it was got obviously plenty of people talking, and you know, me being a very passionate person, and ever since joining the female coaching ranks and coaching female football from 2013, I've 
I've ingrained myself into the system and just love seeing the athletes grow and develop. And um, the last couple of years, or the last, yeah, the last couple of years have been hard to watch. And certainly this year, um, with expansion coming in and seeing the previous expansion of St Kilda, Richmond, West Coast, um, and Gold Coast come in, it, it's it's made it very interesting to know that there's four new teams coming in and the pre-existing um, expansion sides are really struggling and we're going to add four more teams to it. So I get the commercial side of things and I get every AFL club wants it and I understand that. So we all have to bring him in. How's the best way to make this competition um, more even for teams and you know, better spectacle to watch so we don't get those modest people that are 50-50 or sitting on the fence um, because half the population is female, half the population is male, and we want to try and attract as many as we can watching their women's side for as long as long as possible. And yes, mm. you know, in ten years' time will be fine with the development and growth, but right now, how do we make it more competitive and more interesting to watch? So it was yeah, just threw something out there, and as you said, it's uh, taken off pretty quickly in the last forty-eight hours. It's a really interesting notion, isn't it? How do you make sure? Because remember when the first lot of expansion teams came in, it was after the Western Bulldogs uh, and the Brisbane Lions had played off in a grand final, and they were gutted. They had, they were just, yeah, they were pillaged uh, in order to get players. Because if you're a new club coming in, you target the teams that have had success, and you go, say, to a very good list, I can give you maybe more opportunity or more money here. That's just exactly how it's going to work. So how do you make sure that the competition has an evenness, a competitiveness to it in these growing pain stages? So whilst it might just be unthinkable to think, well, you know, you can't take players away from the club that they might have spent their whole career at um, and put them somewhere else and just restart the whole thing. But it is only six years in. I mean, we've looked back in the history of the AFL uh, or the men's competition, whether it's starting with the VFL and into the AFL, that's over 150 years now. Can you make major changes like that uh, in order to make sure that in this short-term period after going into next year where the four new teams come in, to make sure that there is a competitiveness across the board? Or is this just like any competition? There's good teams and bad teams and it will be cyclical. It will come around, the wheel will spin and it will correct itself over time. It's an interesting conversation to have and it's an interesting idea. And it's great to see that there are people thinking outside the box, you know, trying to come up with the right plans. Talked about it before that there are current players, AFLW players who are saying to the AFL, it's all well and good to say all the right things and, you know, you can have all the best intentions, but there's the devil's in the detail. And for some of the players who have looked into this pretty deeply, um, Emma Carney's been pretty vocal. I think Libby Birch has as well. There ain't a whole lot of detail. So that's something to consider. Uh, Michael's in Caroline Springs. G'day, Michael. Hi, oh, mate. How are you? Really well, thanks. What have you got for me? I just want to talk about, well, not so much about Sam Walsh, but I didn't. I heard the names that um, they talked about, the obvious one, Hewitt and whatever else. I'm just interested to know how I saw a kid called Jack Carroll, who we got as a bargain, according to everybody in the draft a couple of years ago, absolutely dominate a couple of games last year in the VFL. And, you know, I, I really rated, I mean, he was. he looked elite. Um, was he the WA? Times, you know, was he the WA lad? Yeah, he, yeah, the WA. He slipped all the way down. Yeah. To like we got him, we got him really. Everybody had him in the top twenty, and we got him at like forty. And but I did see him play, and he can dominate. Like he dominated, you know, against reasonably good opposition too. And and I just wanted to. Yeah, I'm just hoping we get to see him this year. Yeah, great call. I know that um, that there was people, especially uh, who spent a lot of time focusing on the draft. Uh, talent coming out of the West raved 
about that young man. And I, I reckon there's a reason why his development may have stalled. I don't know if it was injury or personal reasons. I'll have to look back into it. But, Michael, it's a great one to keep an eye on. Uh, and it'll be fascinating to see just what they do in that space. But, yeah, he is one that um, there's people have got some massive raps on. He was the big slider in uh, that draft two years ago. Appreciate you bringing that one up. But uh, it's a point well made. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Ash Brown to join me next. Uh, and then I want to play this audio of uh, former England captain Michael Vaughan pretty um, explosive pretty explosive comments that he's made uh, about conversations overheard regarding Pat Cummins uh, I'll play that for you shortly this is the Macca's run going to play this grab uh, from Michael Vaughan in just a moment uh, from a podcast today talking about some conversations apparently that were overheard uh, in regards to Pat Cummins uh, and the Justin Langer situation uh, it's pretty explosive stuff so I'll play that for you in just a moment but uh, I'm being told off the text that uh, Novak Djokovic has had a chat with the BBC and apparently said that he would rather miss out on future tennis trophies than forced to get the COVID vaccine he says he shouldn't be associated with the anti-vax movement, but he supports an individual's right to choose. So in the interview with the BBC, they asked him if he would sacrifice taking part in competitions such as Wimbledon, the French Open, and he said, yes, that is the price that I'm willing to pay. Um, Seems that it's not the price that he was willing to pay in Australia, but he must have changed his view on that. If there's no loophole that can be manufactured for him, then that is a price that he's willing to pay. So uh, number one tennis player in the world uh, was going to was close to uh, getting the record of Grand Slams, which uh, now Rafa has, but um, he has said that he will um, not be bending and won't um, will, will refuses to get vaccinated if told. He said, I was never against vaccination, but I always supported freedom to choose what you put in your body. So uh, interesting in regards to um, Novak Djokovic. Uh, Ash Brown, let's do this. Uh, Well, for all of us uh, in the office here, this is a very, very special time of the year because not only do we have our AFL record season guide, uh, we also now have uh, the AFL record pre-season edition. Now, this is for anybody who's anybody that has anything remotely to do or any interest in uh, the fantasy, the AFL fantasy that gets played every single year. This is your almanac. This is your Bible. This is the publication that you need. And one of the men who plays a key role in putting it together, senior writer for the AFL record. Ash Brown's been good enough to jump on the phone just to take us through this uh, wonderful edition, the pre-season edition. Ash, uh, congratulations on it. I know um, from afar, seeing how much work you guys put into this, but just take us through what the pre-season edition is all about and why uh, anyone who's listening right now needs to have a copy. Sam, hello. Good to be with you once again, mate. This is the Bible for, as you said, for people who play fantasy. It's actually one of our biggest selling editions of the year, it sort of signals for a lot of people it's the that the new season, the new footy season, is just around the corner. So this is our as a fantasy edition with the, our guys, the traders who who do a mountain of work over summer. They do all the research, crunch all the numbers, come up with uh, the best teams to pick in fantasy, the best players whose whose value, who uh, who maybe to stay away from. They go through and rank in position. We've got draft rankings for the defenders, midfielders, rucks, and forwards so that all the information you need so that so the thousands of people out there and many listeners, I'm sure, who, who play AFL fantasy and take it very seriously. Well, and it's got such an incredible following. Now, we have just been getting inundated on the station, you would have heard over the last day and a bit, in regards to Champion Data's elite list that they put together. 
Um, now, is there any correlation between that uh, and then the rankings that you guys have put together uh, for the AFL record pre-season edition? I, look, I don't think there is. I mean, but I stand corrected because we leave so much of this of this part of the magazine to our guys, the traders. Yep. My understanding is that you obviously use AFL champion, uh, the champion data stats to come up with their rankings mm. um, and the points and what have you. But uh, and certainly the fantasy points are calculated live on a game through the champion data match stats. But I'm not sure whether how directly that is related to the rankings that came out the other day that of themselves, as we know, are very controversial. Well, if you are into your fantasy, so the AFL the AFL record pre-season edition, the fantasy experts, uh, as Ashley just mentioned, the traders, so they've got all the options there, tips on how to play it uh, to great effect in 2022, profiles on every player together with their 2022 fantasy price. So if you are into the AFL fantasy, you, you essentially this is like going to a job site without your tool belt. Uh, that's that, that's what this brings to the table. Ash, you've got a couple of key stories in there that I was really uh, really interested to have a, a chat to you about. Um, you've wrapped up the off season. What were some of the key takeaways in the story that you you've come up with um, from from what would have been another really interesting off season? Given COVID still having an impact, we've had teams that have had it run rife through them. Um, what what's come out of it for you in this story? Yeah, well, obviously COVID Sam is a lead story, I guess, and you know when we put this to to bed a couple of weeks ago, we still were unclear about uh, how many players it might affect. You know, we know that, uh, that Liam Jones and uh, Jack Darling and Jed Anderson are some high-profile players who at this stage aren't playing in 2022 because they haven't been vaccinated or fully vaccinated, certainly. It was also the summer with a couple of big uh, boardroom changes, the Collingwood, uh, Mark Quarter out and Jeff Brown in, and, and Jeff Kennett probably on his way out of Hawthorne following the election of uh, Ian Silk to the Hawthorne board. So we had a look at a bit of that. We looked at some of the player trades and we, we had a bit of deep dive into Hugh Greenwood's amazing move, wasn't it, from North Melbourne to Gold Coast, having declared on Twitter that he was you know, set to play for the Suns and yet a day or so later he, he was in the North Melbourne Polo. So, one of the uh, smartest, Ash, one of the smartest pickups of the pre-season, I reckon, for North Melbourne. Um, and, and with what's happening with Ben Cunnington, and we are all thinking of him and hoping that he can make a, a speedy and, and strong recovery as possible. But it, it was a smart move with or without what was happening with Ben Cunnington, and he just provides a, a big body of protection around that young midfield. Gee, that was uh, it's amazing to me that the Suns let him go, given you thought they would have learnt the mistakes of Jared Lyons' past, but they let him go, and it'll be another one you'd think that would be to their detriment. How's he been slotting in? Um, down at Arden Street. Oh, they love him. I yeah. mean, exactly provided. And, and it means that you know, with a guy like Cunnington, obviously coming back from a very serious condition, they can absolutely take their time with Cunnington. No hurry to get him back whatsoever on the basis that Green was going to come in and play a very similar role. So just a, a great pickup. Yeah, and uh, you know, Gold Coast fans will tell you they can give you 10 players, or people who watch Gold Coast closely will give you 10 players that they could have made that were more expendable on the list for a, a list management point of view for a 72-hour exposure or whatever it was, than Hugh Greenwood. So a crazy move by, by the Suns that uh, will reap great dividends for North Melbourne. The, um, the, you take an in-depth look to the 2021 NAB AFL draft class. Uh, I saw Tex Walker today saying Josh Rochelle um, at, uh, at Adelaide is a big chance to play come round one. What else, you, what, what else can we find in that story in regards to how the draft class is settling in? Well, we had a couple of angles. One angle to look at is that um, there's been a number of players picked up and we focus on three who actually were very lucky enough to be drafted to the teams they barracked for. 
So it's great to be able to talk to um, Josh Ward at Hawthorne, Sam Darcy, of course, of the Bulldogs, and also uh, Tyler Zonzi at the Tigers, who all went to the team day back for as kids. And I mean, a guy like uh, Josh Ward, I know you're a bit partial to, to the Hawks, Sam. Uh, yes. He thinks he can play around one because he said, look, I'm a fan of the team and I've studied them pretty closely. And I reckon there's a, there's a place for me in the team. So, you know, if you bang through the team, you know, it's interesting with draftees. Sometimes they try to dial down the passion meter, don't they, in the year they're going to be drafted because they want to be seen to be uh, uh, valuable for any team that might come knocking on their door. So they take down the posters on the wall and that sort of thing. But uh, Josh Ward admitted, you know, his love for the Hawks didn't change and he watched them more closely than any other team. Um, and Sam Darcy the same, you know, Bulldog son of, son of Luke, Bulldog royalty, talked about what it was like to be the 2016 grand final when they had the drought-breaking premiership. So I think it's an extra thrill for those guys to go to the teams they barrack for. And also, we know this is a draft, three first-round picks born in Africa. So it was good to talk to the people involved in the drafting and uh, and uh, Neil Rasmus, who went to Fremantle, who born in Johannesburg. So it was it's a really good angle for the AFL as well. It's a three, the first time that anyone can remember that three first-round picks were born, not just uh, outside Australia, but on, different, on the same continent. The other story I'm really looking forward to reading, Ash Brown, uh, AFL record, the preseason edition is out now. You've done a special feature on the three new coaches. So Michael Voss, Craig McRae and Sam Mitchell, Carlton Collingwood, Hawthorne, respectively. Um, where did you, when you walked away from writing that story, which one of those three did you find the most interesting to have a chat to about where they're at and, and what's happening for them at the moment? Well, I really enjoyed chatting to Craig McRae uh, for, for this piece. I've spoken to him for a couple of times for pieces in the pr- prior to this for the record, but it's great to have a chat to him about Collingwood and, and, and the vastness of that job. I mean, in a way, McRae and Mitchell go with less expectation than Michael Vossett, mm. who's president. Luke Sayers has come out and said, we expect to play finals <laughs> in 2021 oh, or 2022. That was before the, the Sam Walsh That was when he, um, on the day he flew in. He just got off a plane to come into Melbourne, put on a polo, and then got told finals is a pass mark. Yep. Yeah, that's right. So it's, and they're three big clubs, aren't they, Sam? Yep. I mean, three big clubs, big supporter bases. And Hawthorne fans don't have that lot to complain about, but there is a growing restlessness amongst the Hawthorne people. And, you know, they haven't done a whole lot since the last premiership. And Carlton has been, what, uh, 1995, the last premiership, and Collingwood as well, 2010 since the last one. So there's three big impatient supporter bases that these, these coaches have gone with a fair bit of, under a fair bit of pressure. So it's just good to talk to them about what their approach has been so far, the sort of teams they've put in around them and uh, the different approaches they've taken to putting together their coaching staffs and what their early days in the job were like. So I always enjoy talking to coaches, and I enjoy putting this piece together. And a real spanner in the works, obviously, which uh, you wouldn't have been aware of when you were putting this story together, but we found out yesterday in, uh, that Sam Walsh is going to miss the first four weeks of the season. I wouldn't imagine that would have been in Michael Voss's calculations that the reigning best and fairest um, is going to be taking a seat. Um, but it is going to put... Um, we're going to put a microscope on the rest of that midfield to, to stand up and, and cover him in, uh, in his absence. Yeah, that's right. There's uh, other midfielders have to step up now, don't they? I mean, probably a good move. They've got Adam Chera across the Fremantle because he'll add some class to that midfield group straight away. But yeah, more pressure on Patrick Kipps, uh, Patrick Cripps as well, um, and, and various other players to run through their midfield. So it's uh, a lot of work now for Carlton to try and cover him for those four, first four to six weeks when he doesn't play. Just on Vossi, before I let you go, what did you glean from him in in the the, the chats that you were having? Um, we under, we all know what happened at Brisbane and 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 why it happened. What 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 is it? What did you gain from him? A new another chance, a new beginning. Um, 
you know, this is Michael Voss, the coach, Mark too. What did you what did you take away from your chats with him? Well, he doesn't want to compare himself. He doesn't really want to compare uh, Carlton to Brisbane. I mean, it was a long, you know, 10 years ago. And in a way, that's a different era because footy coaching has exploded. He's got a lot more people to work with. But I think he realises that he probably micromanaged a lot at Brisbane. And that is a, a trap that a lot of first-time coaches fall into, that they want to be across everything. I think this time he's a little bit more detached. He's going to let his assistant coaches give them their lead, let them do what they need to do. And he's going to sort of sit across the top a bit more, probably a bit more of a manager. But the coach, I suspect, will be his approach this time around. I think that's probably the one difference for Michael Voss. But over the his, he was the assistant at Port Adelaide, of course, in the, in the interim. And with every year, Ken Hinkley would give him more responsibility. So it really prepared him to, to iron out a few of the kinks from his first time around. And he'll clearly be much better prepared second time around. And Carlton, I think, very fortunate to have him. Ash Brown, AFL, pre, AFL record pre-season edition. This is the must-have edition for those that are playing AFL Fantasy. The traders have got all the options, the tips, how to play AFL Fantasy in 2022. Player profiles, their fantasy price, how you should go about your fantasy work. And Ash Brown's three in-depth stories uh, about the off-season, the 2021 NAB AFL draft, and then the special on those three new coaches. Look forward to having a read of it, Ash. We can get it at Coles, Woolworths, news agents, bookstores, right around the country. Mate, thanks so much for chatting to us, and we'll speak to you again very soon. Look forward to Sam. Thanks for your support. The one piece of advice I'll give him is that when you're the Australian cricket captain, you're always under watch. And I know from uh, close contacts with with, with myself in in the uh, the England uh, journalistic world that Pat Cummins, Mitchell Stark, David Warner, Andrew McDonald were caught having conversations in a pub in Hobart, and that conversation was heard by two or three British journalists. So my advice to, to Pat Cummins would be, if you're going to have strong conversations and have conversations about potential removing of your Australian cricket coach who was in position at that time, don't do it in a pub. <laughs> do not do it in a public domain where you may get heard. And that's exactly how these stories started. You know, yeah. they were heard having a conversation in a pub in Hobart and it was quite clear that they wanted Justin Langer out. And it was quite evident that they were talking around the likes of Trevor Bailey, Stephen Newton, and Andrew McDonald was in that conversation as well. So they can deny it as much as they want, but the three journalists that I know of were in that boozer listening. So <laughs> my <laughs> advice is when you're a captain of a national side, just be wary where you have your... I, I, I'm always having a conversation like that, if that's the way you want to go. That's the decision of that group, and that's the decision of Pat Cummins. No problem at all, but... Just be careful where you have that conversation. Pretty explosive stuff. That's Michael Vaughan on Fox Cricket's follow-on podcast. Uh, Stories up at Fox Sports now. Uh, Timely that we now go to Monica Oval for Australia and Sri Lanka, the third of the T20 internationals. Australia with a 2-0 lead. No, Winindu Hasaranga De Silva out with COVID herself and Chuck Berry. We'll chat to you on the other side of this. Thanks for all your calls and texts, and thanks to Maccas. That's the Maccas run.